Hello, my name is Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is about the HashiCorp license change into the BSL. The, uh, it's a business license, not open source, that allows makes code available but restricts the use of HashiCorp's products to people who are effectively paying customers or enterprise customers. If you're embedding or repackaging the software or competing with HashiCorp, you are prohibited from using it. And we spent 55 minutes looking into why, how, what implications, the historical precedents, basically everything that you need to know about what's going down with this license change in a very thoughtful uh, and reflective conversation. Uh, I know you will enjoy it. I, I was I was going to dive in um, on that and, and turn the day over to talking about the Terraform license thing. I, I figure it's worth worth digesting on that one and uh, hearing how what what people think on it. Um, if necessary, I can start with a little bit of a recap, um, and I'll try and catch up on the where I where I understand the news has gotten to. Um, on Thursday, Terraform HashiCorp. I keep saying Terraform because I care more about Terraform, but it's all of HashiCorp's products are going to be impacted. Uh, HashiCorp made a decision to change the license model under which they manage their code repos. Um, and they uh, flip the license for, um, it's not actually 100% of their code base, but the, the sort of the product components in their code base to a business license that has the code open, but restricts use of that code um, in a couple of different ways. And we'll get into the different, what this, what it actually means. Um, if you are embedding their products or um, hosting their products, um, and if you are a competitor, which is the most sort of nebulous one to figure out, but they basically say you can't use the HashiCorp code if you are a competitor. We'll, we'll decompose what that means a little bit, um, and that's caused considering a lot of people are a lot of people are embedding HashiCorp products and then using them as part of their product um, caused quite a stir in the industry. And then I was reading this morning that several of the HashiCorp competitors, um, led by Spacelift.io, um, have done two things. One is said they are in compliance with this license. Um, not arguing one way or another. I'm telling you what they said. <laughs> they think they're in compliance. <laughs> and then um, they have um, started the steps to create a open Terraform foundation, which starts with forking the code from before the change in license and then trying to maintain a, a Terraform fork. Although it looks to me like they haven't, they've, they've announced the intent. Um, they're for, they're, they're, the manifesto I read from, from, the, from the open Terraform, um, whatever, the, the, their manifesto, um, was a request for HashiCorp to revert their licensing. Um, yeah. So the um, yeah. the the blog post that I post, posted from Grantwork uh, oh, goes a little bit more into detail about this. So okay. like they, they seem to be taking the, a reasonable approach here is that like if, if they can convince HashiCorp to revert the license for Terraform, then they don't need to make any more changes. Then the ecosystem can continue as it is. Uh, however, if Terraform decides to, or if HashiCorp decides to um, continue using the the, the BSL, um, then they are ready to fork and, uh, and pivot to the forked version of Terraform. Um, they also go into more detail as to why they think the the license is dangerous, uh, mm. particularly uh, like the, there's two sections that they that they point out. Um, so one is that 
the terms of the BSL and, and, and the use grants are, are rather vague. Like, what does it mean to be competitive with HashiCorp? Like, if you're an established uh, product that HashiCorp has no presence in, um, and then HashiCorp does release a product in, in that field, are you suddenly a competitor and no longer allowed to use Terraform, for Oops. example? Yeah. Uh, and the second question is like that it's not clear what what it means for Terraform to be embedded or hosted. Um, mm -hmm. So again, like the it because it's like that. A lot of the the worry is not so much because HashiCorp has gone on the offensive. But more because it's suddenly a legal gray area, and, and that mm. is risk. A uh, risk from the the people using the products perspective. Yeah, and, and risk from 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 people building the their platform out of uh, around ah. the, the the Terraform tool. Like can, it, can, like even for example for uh, like for you, Rob. Like if. If Terraform, if HashiCorp decides that uh, it's against the BSL, not not just to use the, the Terraform code, but also to take their binary and embed it in in your product. Correct. Um, yeah, I, and there's a cost there's for a, you to the, pivot away from that. And there's an, it, there's there's layers here because there's um, the Terraform piece, which actually right we don't ship with the product, but is downloaded by the user during the install process. But not without a, 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 you know. So okay, we don't actually embed it. The users running it, the users downloaded it, but we have scripts that do that for the user. Is that cross the line here? Exactly. I, we, it's 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 unclear about that. Um, it's unclear whether we're a HashiCorp competitor or not. You could look at us either way. Um, so, so right. It's it, there's layers of confusion if you just look at us, and then there's other libraries. Um, and, and Greg's here, and he's done a, a, a deeper analysis where we're using, um, you know, the some of the libraries that behind console. Uh, is it okay to keep using the Raft algorithm? Probably. I don't. They didn't change that part of the license, but I don't know. Or we have places where we attach to Vault, hmm. and you know, we're not selling vault we're not installing vault but we do attach to it uh i don't think that's embedding i think that one's pretty clear but there, there's a lot of fud at the moment yeah yeah i i guess let, let me so yeah we're asking a lot of those questions why i want to talk about it and i think everybody should be asking those questions i i don't think there's a risk if you're using terraform on an internal IDP or from a developer's desktop or an ops team's desktop, I, let, let's start there. Is there any risk for that? I mean, you're you're just a cut. You're you're a bank. You you know, this is is this an issue? If if you're using just Terraform, probably not. Okay, but and, and like any team, what what it's worth is not using just Terraform. Like you, you, you're using Terraform in your CI/CD, or you're using using a okay. tool that that does Terraform for you. Like, using like Terragrant or, um, or or one of the many other options that are like built around the Terraform ecosystem, and those might be at risk. Yeah, I the the I mean that's I would it's not clear. If if you just download Terragrunt and start using Terragrunt with with Terraform, I I would suspect that's okay. You're putting this stuff together. You're not a product. You're an internal user. Usually, those have been like like even going back to like MySQL and Postgres and stuff like that. Those have not been considered commercial uses. So I think those are safe. But if you were licensing. Like us or Spacelift or you know somebody who's who's really is a Terraform engine. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, Spacelift is saying that they're. And I don't quite understand their logic that they're not. That they're just using Terra, um, Terraform as is. 
they're not recompiling it or build. I, that that struck me as a little weird. I, I I definitely got the sense that the intent from HashiCorp was to limit somebody from taking Terraform and running it in a in a SaaS or as a service. Yeah, so I, I think that that's where space left and, and grant work are at a disagreement. Mm. Um, so the so grant work certainly uh, said or, or clarified that they're unclear as to whether just using Terraform inside your product is considered a violation of the BSL. So from their perspective, they're going to play it safe and they're going to at least temporarily limit the version of Terraform that they're using to the the ones that were released before the license change. And it might well be that Spacelift is going to be doing the same, which is why they said they're, that, that they're not at risk. Oh, okay. I mean, we have the same same strategy where, right, you don't have to change, you don't have to take the new version of Terraform. Um, so there's some time for this to flush through the system. Yeah, not yet, but uh, like the risk is like, well, what happens when, let's say, what, what, what if this is a precursor to uh, HashiCorp releasing Terraform 2.0? In which case, well, over time, there's going to be a lot of providers and, and, and modules that are going to be incompatible. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but if the providers, I mean, the, the provider library is part of the big value. They're, they're, I'm assuming... This is an assumption I haven't looked that they did. Did they relicense the providers? Because Ter- HashiCorp maintains a number of those providers. Also, I, I is there? A, uh, can you put, post a link to the uh, the new license? Uh, sure, 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 sure. Let's see. Uh, the um, providers use APIs, and the APIs were not changed under the updated license. Doesn't mean they won't be in the future, which is actually the the challenge, but the SDKs, the APIs, and all of those things were licensed separately, which makes it even more annoying is that as you wander through their Git repository, which is all open still, the subdirectories actually now have license files in them. Oh, it's by subdirectory? Correct. So, for example, like the Terraform binary is built from the top level of the Terraform tree, but the Terraform API and SDKs are actually in the subdirectories, and those have different licenses. They're still in the Mozilla license. So this is one of those they've segment, and this ha- applies to all of the trees that I was looking at. So like consoles divided and separated that way, as well as the various other components. They've basically said, if you use this binary, you were in potential violation of the BSL. And that's why your initial question of, hey, if I'm a bank, I'm safe, right? I'm like, no, not really. Because the bank, if it's deemed competitive, all of a sudden is breaking the BSL just by using Terraform. Lovely. Now, there's a whole set of legal constraints and all those other things, right, as we look at it. But as a legal document, the BSL is abysmal. And it has such vagaries that it's going to be lawyer heyday to assess what it means to be embedded and those kind of things against also what it means to be competitive by HashiCorp. And that last section is the part that triggers so many things. Since it's not a legal definition, it's a business definition. I, I'm getting flashbacks uh, from the discussion around uh, OpenCFS and the CDDL. Like it's it's a, seems to be a, a very similar dis- discussion that that's uh, that's happening here about well, what does the the BSL mean for users? Yeah, I'm not as familiar with the one you just mentioned, but in this case, as I was looking at it, there's 
enough confusion that I'm not sure I would want to go into a court with HashiCorp defining competitiveness as my basis for whether or not I'll win or lose. Because that's pretty clear, right? That part of the document is pretty clear. It's just, okay, um, that's a pretty wide standard of, of statement. And so to your question, Rob, is a bank safe? Well, I think HashiCorp would say, yes, you're safe. But if they started to decide it wasn't, then okay. Or is that a leverage play to charge for licenses or something? Now, we're well aware of the banking industry, and they buy licenses for things just out of safety anyway, most of the time. But there's in-between people who are not as risk-averse and have a similar set of challenges, right? Is there an element to the have, have, have your cake and eat it? Here, where they're trying to have the business, the enterprise users remain whole in how they use Terraform and keep that part of the market. A Docker did the same. Did the right? This is this is a Docker deja vu, um, where they tried to say, yeah, if you're you know a competitor, we you know you can't. But if you're a if you're just a regular enterprise user, you know we're not we're trying not to impact you. <laughs> But, but we're, we're flagging that that's maybe not as simple from an enterprise user perspective. I, yeah. this, this is a problem with any open source license, right? I mean, businesses actually are pretty well aware at this point of any bit open source license that they use, um, short of ones that are really pretty well protected by a foundation, um, are at, you know, at risk when they, when they consume them for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, the the thing though is with with a lot of the particularly the well established open source licenses, it is very clear what the risk is. Like that, there are certain things that you can and, and, and certain things that you cannot do. Um, as a result, it usually comes down to well, when when you're using an open source product, like are you including a source code? Or are you just using it as a tool? Mm. And, and, it, and in those situations, it's almost always black and white. Like, yes, I can use this tool. No, I cannot use this tool um, for, for the enterprise. With the BSL, however, that distinction is blurred. Uh, so that is why uh, there's this discussion going on is that, well, it, I mean, is this really a license that is consumer friendly? Because oh, because open source, uh, the, despite mo- many open source licenses being viral, they're still consumer friendly. Until the owner of the code decides to change the license. <laughs> Yeah, uh, right. but the the thing is that the but, licenses yeah. are not retroactive. So yeah, so on, on, as long right. as the it stays open source, you're fine. Right. I, I I'm not even sure I, I would consider the BSL to be like truly open source. No, I, I that's one thing everybody seems to agree on, including HashiCorp, <laughs> is that this is not an open source license. It, it is a code available license. Yeah, but, but I. But when you license parts of a repo, um, that's really ambiguous. I mean, I, I know it's it's legally feasible to say I have a repo and part of it is open and part of it is BSL, but um, there, it seems like everybody would you know it, it's. People are just going to fork, create, you know, open versions of these HashiCorp uh, licenses before or products before the license. I mean, I would part, you know, for us, uh, it's really hard. I mean, I, I don't want to maintain our own fork of, of some of these the HashiCorp repos that we've pulled into our product. It might it might be necessary to do that. I, I'm not entirely sure. Well, especially since it's part of a repo, it sounds like uh, some business per- person at HashiCorp said, 
we're changing this and go implement it. And all the people did was go and say, okay, so the business folks want this part license. So put a mm-hmm. slap a license on, on this code tree, which is just a, a segment of the re- repo. And the only way to really do it right is to separate out the different repos so that a full repo has either has it or doesn't, but they're not doing that. So it's, the whole thing seems almost like an, uh, a directive from on high that the folks that implemented didn't feel like they should be doing. So they did as little work as possible to, to be able to fulfill the uh, business person's demands. Hmm. I agree. It does feel like that. And, and, the, the the nature of BSL that the screams designed by committee as well. Yeah. Or, yeah, or at I, least the the designed by board of directors and not by legal experts. Exactly. It doesn't se- seem like they had a an IP lawyer in the room at the time. I, you know, it's interesting. I don't, maybe I just have a high opinion of HashiCorp here. I, I, I would assume this was a very deliberative action that they took. Um, maybe it was triggered by, you know, a, you know, a version or something happening, but this is, this is a big cross-cutting concern. Something happened, something triggered it. Maybe they want to sue one of their competitors because they're pissed off at them. Well, there's there's no doubt that you know Spacelift is pretty flagrantly, um, you know, going on the full offensive against Terraform Cloud, um, undercutting them on price and being you know I, I, that they're they're being very aggressive, um, which struck me as. Um, I mean, poking the bear, not the, not the, because I mean, fundamentally, they built a whole product based on HashiCorp's IP, and there was no, no, you know, there, there was no ambiguity over HashiCorp's control of Terraform. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure that they have a, you know, a break glass plan that they're executing right now, which is to fork it and then maintain the community. Um, and and that, that there's a path that I actually want to walk down, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So you, you feel like part of the way they've, they've, they've tried to unzipper this license feels less, you know, less planned. Yes. So the, okay. the other question then comes in, if they released it with such poor planning or such poor, such a, a poor messaging to their own company that their own engineers did it in the way they did it, then there's got to be something extremely imminent that they they want to deal with so that uh, and so they had to get this on the books fast because it doesn't seem planned at all yeah that, that seems to hmm. be like that the suspicion person suspicious person in me uh like alongside of like what rocky you were thinking here is I'm thinking that either they're looking to go for another round of funding or they are looking to go public. And in both cases, some investor or someone on the board said, like, need to make this change uh, to attract um, money.
Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, from the day they went public, I, I mean, I've been waiting for them to same. circle the rag, the wagons on even before they went public. Um, yeah. So HashiCorp's already public. So in some regards, I view this as a, we are losing money to other corporations that are using RIP and we need to address that. To me, this is a fairly straightforward open source problem where they put the time, effort, and money into building a product and can't monetize it for whatever choices, their own fault potentially is what you want to call it. But I believe our CFO looked over their um, filings and pointed out that they had lost like 65% of revenue year over year. Ooh. Well, here, here's another there some, It was some weird number well, like that. I mean, yes. it was a significant, like, we just lost a lot of money relative to our growth and we're citing these things for that reason. And so it, it may have been executed poorly, but I could, if that's the case, which I'm not completely sure, then that's a viable business case for doing it. Now, we can argue whether that's the appropriate thing, the ethical thing, the community, the industry thing, but it's, it's what it is. I mean, in some regards, so it's a viability here's, problem. Here, here's something that, that could easily be happening. Uh, this is based on some of my experience in uh, working government contracts, and that is it's very possible that there's a large contract out there that HashiCorp oh, interesting. wants or needs, and the there is someone who's, they're afraid, will undercut and win the contract. I mean, this could be like... Uh, IRS cloud or DOD cloud or something along those lines. And it's a matter of our main competitor that uses our code is out there and they're going to win the contract if they're allowed to continue using our code. And we want that contract. And that could also mm. be a big uh, uh, issue with the the timing of it and that um, they had to get it on the books before the contract, the re reply to uh, request for propos proposals had to be in. So an interesting theory. Yeah. So, so that would, I mean, that makes me think that perhaps Terraform is the innocent bystander in, in that case. Not that their main goal for changing the license is not so much to or to do it on Terraform, but do it on their other products, because that's where they typically get their money from, like yeah. licensing Vault and uh, Terraform Cloud, etc. Yeah, and so it, it could be a um, that they're like considered a sub on the the contract, and that they would be paid by these guys, and if uh, the the main contractor doesn't get the contract, then it goes out and they get no money from the license and it's large enough. I mean, government contracts are huge because they are. Yeah. I, so, I, I actually, I actually could give you a place where that could happen. Um, I, without, without being as specific as a single contract, because right. We've been, you know, sort of the obvious players are like the space lift and front works and things like that. But at the same time, right, Terraform is being embedded ways that would violate this license by Red Hat, by GitLab, by Microsoft, by Amazon, right? They, that, that, you know, I, IBM, um, you know, multiple cloud platforms have been embedding Terraform into their own engines in these cases. But you could just look at Red Hat and, and Rocky, you're right, Red Hat might be could doing a major contract where they used to position Terraform Enterprise or Terraform Cloud. And all of a sudden they're saying, you know what, you don't need that. We're, we're going to sell Ansible here, Ansible Automation Platform or VMware Realize even. Um, 
you know, all, people have been embedding Terraform like crazy into orchestrators, like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of the consulting, and, and I suspect they've been, you know, a lot of their um, amazing go-to-market was in that they had a whole fleet. I talked about this with people last year, right? There's a whole fleet of people who are monetizing Terraform as a consulting base. But if they're monetizing Terraform as a consulting base and then turning around and using Terragrunt or Spacelift or Pulumi or, all right, there's a ton, like there, there's a whole cat tacos, there's a whole category here. Um, but I agree with you. It's probably not just Terraform. Um, it does interfere with HashiCorp's uh, ability to build an integrated platform, though, if people are not, you know, if, if they're losing anchors on their, their, their suite. Okay. And let me clarify financially so that we don't get in trouble. Okay. The, um, they claimed growth but posted an operating loss of $67 million for what they're calling the first quarter, which is they do weird quarters, which is basically mid-June announced and an 8% reduction in staff. Are you pulling that off a link? Do you mind sharing the link? It's from HashiCorp's site. Okay. Anyway, they were they continue to operate at a loss, and while less of a loss, it's still a loss ongoing. Particularly that that's where the sixty number came from in my head. Yeah, yeah, and and, and even if it was insignificant, like in terms of operational loss, that the stock market is very fickle. And, and a, a small drop can snowball into a significant uh, mm-hmm. stock price drop. And, and that can also kill contracts. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it it's very hard if you're writing a product and you're competing with yourself fundamentally because your you know core part of that IP is is being given away, and that that's one of the, you know one of the challenges with with this, right? I mean, sync. I mean, I, if we go back, we you know go back to not even very old precedent, like with with what happened with Docker, where Docker created this you know industry changing um, utility. You know, to to get the pervasive adoption, because there were other containerized um, options out there, but they they didn't encumber it. They got huge adoption from it, assuming they would monetize. I think assuming they would monetize the management of that, and really weren't prepared to to compete on that. There's a very, I mean, the parallels here are <laughs> very similar. Yeah, and. I mean, if they're if they're looking to to at least to uh, maintain their, their market, I I don't think that they've considered that the reason why they've become a de facto standard in infrastructure as code is that they have the open ecosystem around it. Mm-hmm. So closing or, or at the very least deprecating a significant part of that ecosystem. Uh, yes, it may have short-term, short-term gains for them, uh, particularly when it comes to stock, mar- stock market and, and contracts, but it, it puts their longevity in, in, into serious doubt. Well, can we go down that road for a minute? Because I'm, I'm super interested in what people think about this fork, assuming OpenTerraform.org, you know, goes forward. It's going to start off bit for bit compatible. You could just download OpenTerraform instead of HashiCorp Terraform. Assumingly, all the providers will continue to work. <laughs> this is more and more like Docker Cloud every day because Docker's Docker's ecosystem of you know um, the Docker Cloud stuff, where you had all you could download containers and upload containers. Was costing them a ton of money to maintain. It was incredibly valuable. 
um, like it made Docker valuable. The providers are a lot of what makes Terraform valuable. If you did open Terraform.cloud, all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're going to put provide, we're going to download providers from Terraform, from HashiCorp. That, I, that could be a, a real problem for, for Hashi. They're still maintaining all the providers. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And now this fork is literally just pulling in the providers. Well, I don't think it's pulling the providers quite yet because um, when, when you are, particularly when you are a third party provider, you're still uploading it to the Terraform site. Mm -hmm. um, but there, just like it's happened with, with, with Docker, there, there probably there's going to be a point where providers, where, where the, the authors of the providers might decide, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to polish it somewhere else. Like, like with, with a lot of uh, Docker containers now, they're, they're shifting away from, uh, from, from Docker Hub to, let's say, Quay or uh, uh, GHCR or, mm -hmm. uh, or, or Google's own registries or, or, or AWS. Um, so um, it's going to be tricky over the, over the next couple of months or years uh, to see, well, what's going to happen with this ecosystem. And it yeah. will maybe a boon for companies like Pulumi, where, where they can say like, well, look, our, our ecosystem is not tainted. Right. Well, and they're, they're, or it could be that people look at Pulumi and, and say, when, when do you do this? Yeah. Because Pulumi's, Pulumi's and provider models even more tightly coupled than um, the Terraform ones. But but even so, I mean, the, the idea of, you know, which I think is cool, but commercially tricky is, all right, you take this open Terraform, you download it. Great. It's just a good go line binary. But then it starts downloading all the providers from, from HashiCorp. Uh, I, you know... And I don't know how they would stop it, right? They could say, oh, this, the next version we produce is going to have a flag in it that, you know, you, you can only download from us. But old versions, right, it's it's version sensitive to what, ver you know, to get old versions of providers. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I, I mean, if OpenTerraform happens, I, I would imagine that they would also start mirroring providers. Okay. Um, Which is just a Git repo, and then and then they would provide the build facility. Well, no, it's, it's not just a Git repo. It's, it's also like an HTTP service where, where you actually fetch uh, the providers. Sorry, sorry. The provider, the the source code for the providers comes from a repo somewhere, gets built, and then posted in whatever their their source code is for for that download. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and people can choose to source their provider from somewhere else. Um, the tricky part is yeah. that modules might use, uh, like may have references to their own providers. So, like, you, there's going to be likely a period where you end up pulling from, from both provider registries at the same time. Um, right. But, I mean, that is still viable as, as we've seen, but happened with Docker, that there is a transition period. Um, the question is like, well, what's the future of HashiCorp if that happens? I mean, Terraform itself, That's right? I mean, I don't know how much Terraform Cloud is there. Is a part of HashiCorp's income? Like, That's, perhaps they're yeah, they're just right. uh, still perhaps still licenses for 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 Vault or or for Nomad or whatever else are still their main income and. They're they're seeing uh, Terraform as a loss leader and then trying to rein that in. That's my my understanding of when I've talked to and I don't have the numbers, um, but the the vault is is by far the dominant revenue stream for for HashiCorp. And it, it could be that this action is right. We 
I, I don't remember which of us was saying it before, but that terraform is a um I was Rocky was saying, you know, it was terraform as a was a was a bystander in a vault protect protect vault action. But they could have seems it seems like this is a broader broader issue for them generally to protect protect the IP. But I mean, I, it, yeah, this I mean, this could steer people if if Open Terraform is effective, right? Or and and forking any of their products is effective by the people who have alternate uh, products. It could drive business away from Terraform overnight, or sorry, HashiCorp overnight. It can. Yeah. I mean, they they would still be coasting on their existing contracts, right? Okay. Uh, but calm renewal time it would likely make people think twice well and one of the so so with vault i think people use vault directly with with terraform as you were saying most people are have wrappers they, they don't you know they by and large don't call terraform that directly they have something they put in front of it so substitution in those cases um could be right, especially if you you've just got a fork. It could be pretty painless. Yeah. And so even this, yeah, go ahead. This this could easily be um, to. I mean, Terraform is like you said used extensively by lots of folks, embedded everywhere, but. It could be that they're really out there protecting Vault and something that they're about to release in Vault mm -hmm. to uh, since, and it might be because they have a CVE that they have not announced yet, and by Goodness. yeah, and and by uh, fixing the CVE and doing the next iteration of Vault suddenly vault becomes extremely much more valuable so yeah oh, no, that's, that that's or true. console or something like any, that any Maybe. any of their any of their products i mean it is it is exactly. possible from that perspective this is something that that Racken went through right we we had an open source version of our platform that we were about to make significant performance changes to and we couldn't see a way to keep the those those core changes proprietary and the code open and the, the the API code open. And we had to actually, we flipped our license as a consequence because the IP we were adding was too valuable to, to just put into market. Yeah, um, the, and they, they and could they, be doing this, the, the same exact same thing. They could say, you know what, we were adding something across the board to turn these products into an integrated suite. And that could be used by all of these competitors. We, we are going to keep it. That, that's an interesting prediction, Rocky. I could see that. And and they could actually have some partner out there that will, uh, you know, they might be getting ready for an acquisition. Oh, to buy somebody to acquire oh, somebody them. buy them. Huh? Impossible. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. No. That's, I you were you were thinking along a lot of devious lines, and I have a lot of respect <laughs> for that. Um, yeah. That's that's. It could be that if they if there's something in the works, because um, their stock price has not been, you know, it hasn't recovered from the early from the IPO days. Um, somebody could be picking them up. And and if it's yeah, especially if it's something like a bank or something like that, who tend to not like open. Or hmm. a telecom. Uh, Let HashiCorp take be the bearer of bad news and then scoop scoop them up. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, and by by uh, putting this business license in at that or or you know Oracle. Hmm. I mean, I can't see them being purchased by Oracle, but this is the sort <laughs> of thing where Oracle would go and contact everybody using it, everyone who's touched the repository. And start demanding money, or start demanding at least uh, a signature on a line acknowledging that that they are using the license. So, you know, any corporation <laughs> that 
Uh, and- Oracle does have a history, but Oracle has no no qualms about owning that decision. <laughs> exactly. You're right, exactly. So it's like if there is a a merger or acquisition in the offing, or some company said you need better control, and this company is like their major source of income. Uh, look to see who is their their largest source of income on their contracts and see what what those guys are doing. Uh, interesting theory. Um, I, this is going to be a fun one to go back to because we've got a lot of uh, ifs and maybes in here. And, <laughs> and, and the benefit of a, of a year will... Um, Will help. Will help see it. it. It definitely is like I, you know. After watching Docker sort of thrash around trying to figure this out, this is a much more direct <laughs> slam the gates strategy um, for them. Uh, I I don't know. The, the, I mean, it's, it certainly answers some due diligence questions. Just I it just I mean I I I don't see I don't I I'm not sure you know I've I've been waiting for them to to take some action because they're definitely building IP that is being embedded in people's products for a long time and that is really hard to sustain. Um, but I. I I'm I'm having trouble seeing this as you know unless you know, they made that I'm sure they have more cards in their hand that we haven't seen that might like I, I like your theories about some big feature or capability that that's coming that that they're that they're protecting. It would have to be I mean, they're 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 pushing a lot of um, I don't even know if they had that much goodwill from these the people who are consuming their tech though. That's the problem. I I don't I don't see like. Like the the companies that embedded Terraform as being particularly pro HashiCorp. Think more along the lines of Vault. I think Vault is in some ways, you know, right now. But but a lot of companies are embedding Vault, like, like, and this is something I saw in some of the the write ups. Is there's a lot of services companies that are using Vault or Console inside of their product to sell right right for their service and it's a major part of of a of this is what the 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 one of the posts i've read i'm not sure where the link is but uh because i've been reading the reddit threads here too um but if you were a SaaS company and you embedded vault and console behind the scenes in your product and you didn't license it from from HashiCorp, are they going to go after that? I mean, I, I don't see why they wouldn't or why they wouldn't consider that a violation. So, so here's the question. What okay. are the two big hype cycles at the moment? AI mm. and security. Okay. And security is hitting the C-suite a lot harder than AI is. Okay. If there's any way that suddenly lots of people are looking for uh, confidence in security and looking for even a fall guy in security, then uh, some of these infrastructure uh, aspects they need assurances from the company providing uh, their infrastructure that that they are secure, which means that these folks want to will pay for it because by paying for it, there's a fog guy. If they don't pay for it, there's no fog guy, and it's up to the companies. So there could be a security play in here that is either forcing HashiCorp's uh, hand or HashiCorp is sitting there looking at a security play that will get them lots of money if they provide this business source license. 
and it's worth and but it has to be worth it to them to do the bsl so there's something coming down the pike i think especially with how sloppy they and quickly they've implemented everything they'll circle back to to fix the stuff now that it's been announced which would make the bsl change understandable but still not justifiable right <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a it's a it's a big risk from that perspective you do, and that's do, where do the big contract comes in too do we do we think there's any any chance of them backpedaling It, again, it, it will depend on, on whether the change is focused on, on Terraform or not. Mm. Um, oh, okay. it, it, if this was a hotfix to, to address a license shortcoming for the, the commercial products, then it is quite possible that they will respond to the open Terraform manifesto and say like, hey, we, we, we heard the feedback. We will return uh, Terraform to the Mozilla license. And then I would imagine that most developers will be happy about that. Um, if, however, they're trying some kind of power play around Terraform itself, then it's going to be uh, interesting times. <laughs> I I would be be stunned for anybody to considering what they're doing. Anybody to be okay with them just saying, "Oops, sorry." Here's the, we'll, we'll revert the license for Terraform. I I think the cat's out of the bag towards a foundation for Terraform at the moment. Too many people have businesses built around it and the, and they've demonstrated how that they can be, you know, capricious. Yeah. I, it's not, I don't, I, that's fine. I'm using the word. I don't think it's capricious. I think that if, you know, if anybody who's been watching the situation and watching the market just around Terraform, uh, it, it wasn't in a sustainable mode for, for the maintainers of Terraform. Yeah. Like one way or another, I think, uh, a Terraform Foundation uh, responsible for the ecosystem would be a good thing. I think that's true. So, um, so it wasn't you weren't dependent on HashiCorp to approve and put stuff into the into the library. An interesting, yeah, yeah. Like it's, I mean, whether I I think it. it and in the longer term, like it's likely that that the Open Terraform Foundation will happen. The question is whether Terraform or HashiCorp itself will be part of the founding members, or whether they're just going to be on the sidelines of that. But I, I well, think. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I guess the question that all this open source foundation stuff comes down to is who's going to pay for the development and support of that section of the product in some right. regards right we can say spacelift built a better product and all these other things but in the end they have been not bearing the full burden of their product's cost so are they going to be funding Open Terraform? Excellent is, question. Is TerraGrunt going to be doing the same thing or TerraWorks or whatever it is that the parent company that works. Front works. Right? All those are bigger questions around is the open terraform going to be successful? All of the foundations that we talk about and say and love usually have some interest in founding. And only two have really been functionally successful. Mm -hmm. 
you have the Apache projects and the Linux Foundation. Most of the rest of them have either been maintained by a single company that decided it was in their best interest to maintain that, or they went away. There is a good chance that Terraform consumers might also chip in on that. Um, Because right now, since Terraform has been open source and free, um, there has been no need for enterprise companies to support it financially, in particular because Terraform was, or still is, backed by a single company. If that switches to being backed by a foundation, um, then it might well be that enterprise users of Terraform. So, so, so not, and, and so I'm, I'm not talking companies that repackage Terraform or or or, or embed in their product. I'm just saying like end users of Terraform. They they could well decide that well, it it is worth uh, contributing a certain amount of money a year towards the foundation to ensure that the ecosystem remains stable and thus reducing the risk of having to pivot to another tool. Or that's worth the, worth paying the license fee from HashiCorp. Something else, mm-hmm. uh, I was looking at the news release that Greg posted. They have a new president of field operations, Susan St. Ledger. So could she be a motivating force behind this? Good question. And I haven't looked her up on LinkedIn as yet, but you know, if if it is Terraform and she she's actually reaching out to all of their folks, uh, all their uh, customers, and saying, "Look, you uh, we're we're going to this license format, and this is to provide you better service." Uh, this might be her her perspective on how to increase revenue for the company. I agree. Which, in my opinion, would be a very myopic approach. <laughs> because, yes, it, it, it would certainly increase short-term revenue yep. by getting enterprise users to adopt it. But they risk alienating uh, a whole ecosystem of startup companies who just cannot afford it. And who might be future enterprise companies. Interesting thoughts. All right. We are at the top of the hour, so I'm going to wrap it up. I really appreciate all your everybody's insights. And um, I know this is not going to be a topic for just one day. But let's let's keep watching how it plays out. Y'all have y'all got put some chips on the table, and I'm gonna I'm looking forward to seeing the results. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Everyone. Wow, one of my favorite things to do in the DevOps and Cloud 2030 discussions is to take these news items, these these seismic shifts in the industry where major players are responding to industry pressure and decompose it to look for parallels. And we are unique in having that time and space and the format to take a news of the day item and really look at it, um, not just for what it means to us, but how it is being shaped by larger forces in the industry. And we did exactly that this time. I hope if you enjoy this type of conversation, uh, please join us at the 2030.cloud. If you want to present something, talk about it, we are always looking for people who want to come in, point of point of view, and then drive a discussion around what you're thinking and get feedback. Uh, I hope this is helpful. We will keep going back to the topics like this one and this one specifically as it evolves over time. Join us. I will see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put 
uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.